Welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco, your personal financial quarterback. Whether you've had years of success in your business or are just starting out, DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office can help you create a vision for your business, life, and family and guide you toward the fulfillment of that goal. As they say, you can't choose your family, but you can choose your virtual family office. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm just fantastic and I am uh, once again excited because we are going to continue our conversation that we had on the last podcast with three rock star women in business. Yeah, I, I am so thankful that they are doing a second part. That first part was amazing and just packed full of great information, great thought leadership for them to come back and spend time with us again. I, that, what a blessing that is. So thank you so much for joining us again. Well, very much so. It is a blessing. So if you missed the previous podcast, you can feel free. I'm going to give just some brief bios on each of my guests. So the first one's Amy Bradley. She's the president and CEO of our local chamber of commerce here in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I have Beth Walker, who is a financial advisor and also the founder of the Center for College Solutions, which she helps families to make college education affordable. And I've got Britt Schroeder, who is a franchise consultant with FranChoice. Uh, she provides free franchising consulting services to individuals who are looking to get into uh, franchises. So ladies, I want to welcome you back. Thanks. Good to be Thank here. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. No problem. So we've been talking a lot about just kind of some of the motivations, some of the statistics with women in business. And uh, I, I talked about a study that I was, uh, I was looking at from the Small Business Trends Alliance. And one of the things that they talked about there is that the trend that they're seeing, especially with women business owners, is that they tend to be younger than their male counterparts, with 50% of them being in Gen X compared to 44% overall of business owners. Only 36% are boomers. Now, I think all of us are kind of on that borderline between Gen X and boomers. <laughs> so what I wanted to ask Amy, Britt and Beth, you can jump in as, as you see fit. What are the trends that you're seeing and why do you think this is? I am seeing a mix. So one of our new members is a, a woman, a young woman who opened Sandy John's Boutique, a small boutique in the Evansburg area. And she is younger generation and, you know, just motivated by passion again for what she does and what she sells. But I also am seeing some older folks, you know, take a chance as well the bougie hair care that I mentioned, and then taco shells, which is a new taco business, are both, you know, probably Gen X or maybe even boomer owners. So a little bit of a mix, but nice to see the younger generations take the chance as well. I had mentioned on the last podcast, we have two video production companies. Actually, we've had three join us in the past year. And two of those are young couples who've just decided that, you know, this was something they were doing, something they have a passion for, and they wanted to try, you know, try it on their own. Oh, that's, that's exciting. So uh, Brett or Beth, you got anything you want to add to that? I'll jump in. This is Britt. Uh, when I started as a consultant 20 years ago, and I think back, you're absolutely right. There were very few young women that were raising their hand to look at entrepreneurship. And I think it's because historically, we have always been raised and trained to focus more on security 
versus opportunity. And I think we're wising up. I think that the playing field is becoming more level, realizing we can have both. The other thing that I have been noticing now that I do have more young women entrepreneurs uh, stepping up, I think it has a lot to do with we are, many young women are delaying having babies or children. Many are not getting married at all. So you have an open slate in front of you. You aren't just expected to get married and have children. You can think about how you want to live your years out and go after it with, with much more control and force than even 20 years ago. Yeah, and Beth, I know you had mentioned uh, in the previous episode about you're now mentoring a, a, a young woman to be your succession plan. Are, are you seeing similar trends in the financial service industry? Well, it's very interesting. And I think our industry reflects society from a technology adoption perspective. I think we're seeing a real divide between the digital economy and the analog economy. And the financial services industry has been admittedly slower. Um, It's very fragmented. There's a lot of stakeholders that have liked to keep, uh, I guess, the technology at bay. But the world is passing the industry by. And I think with the technology adoption, it's a natural for the younger folks who are digital natives to gravitate toward the industry. So I think we're going to have a very interesting world where the average advisor is nearing 60 years old and the people that are going to jump in with both feet and take it on are going to be in their 20s. And there's not going to be a lot in between. So it's a fascinating time to be in the financial services industry. Uh, that's for sure. You know, I, I did a series just recently on uh, the lessons I've learned in seven years of working virtually. And you know, back when I was when I started this, people thought I was crazy. And now all of a sudden in COVID world, everybody has to learn how to work virtually. And so you're right, things are changing. And especially in our industry, I think we have been very backward as far as from a technology standpoint. And, uh, you know, we're starting to embrace that. And hopefully that will that will encourage younger people to get on board and especially women, because, you know, like we talked about in the earlier episode, I think they bring a unique skill set. So, and that's one thing I, I, I want to touch on a little bit here because, you know, as a society, I think we hate to admit it, but women bring some unique characteristics and skill sets to the business world that men don't have. And so I'll kind of throw this out to ever, whoever wants to start. What do you see as some of the advantages women business owners have over men, especially, especially in male dominated industries? When you think about the challenge with any business and starting something from scratch, particularly, the biggest challenge is how am I going to gain market share? How am I going to get my disproportionate piece of the pie? And especially with male-dominated businesses, one way to stand out is for a woman to step into that space. And so it gives them a platform to simply be different, to begin to build the awareness around their product or services that they're offering. So I am a huge fan of helping women move into you know, uh, businesses, you know, automotive, you know, maybe stuff that would be considered dirty service type businesses, janitorial or uh, junk removal or tree removal because of the unique skill sets brought to the table. It allows them to shine. 
Bravo, Brett. This is Beth. And I'll tell you what, um, in terms of the biggest differences, if anybody in the audience hasn't seen the YouTube video, A Tale of Two Brains by Mark uh, Gungor, G-U-N-G-O-R, just go to YouTube, put in the search box, A Tale of Two Brains, The Nothing Box. It's hilarious, but it also speaks to the distinct differences in terms of the way men and women operate. And I think women, in terms of solving problems for people that are willing to pay them for that, the way that their brains connect to everything is really a superpower. And we just are new to harnessing that for the advantage of generating income. And so I think as we get comfortable in that role, it's a natural. It's a natural. Yeah, I also think about the relationship aspect of things, working for a woman, you know, certainly not all women are nurturing and great relationship builders, but many women are. And, you know, that often makes for a more harmonious workplace. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I specialize in working with fa- independent family-owned businesses in the automotive industry, it's pre- pre- uh, predominantly collision shops uh, and automotive repair. And I was doing it, it, in preparing for this, I started doing a little bit of research and I found only 10% of collision shops are being owned by women and less even in automotive repair. But as I was doing this, this research, I came across this woman who's in Philadelphia who was just tired of being taken advantage of at garages. And so she went to auto mechanic school, learned how to be a mechanic, started her own garage, started opening numerous garages. And now she actually has a school to teach women how to be auto mechanics. And it was almost to fulfill a role where she felt that that women were being taken advantage of because, oh, well, they don't know about cars. So we can, you know, we can do whatever we want and charge whatever we want. And it just kind of pissed her off basically. <laughs> so I thought that was really just kind of fascinating how she saw an opportunity out there. It's actually, I've actually reached out to her to see about her being a, a, a guest on the podcast here. But do you think that for women who are maybe in some of these dominated, uh, male dominated fields, that it, that it can help them or does it hurt them? And do they have more challenges to overcome? I would like to mention, I work with a lot of automobile repair franchises, and it's key to know you don't have to know how to fix an engine to run a good automotive shop. When the mechanic goes in and tries to run the business, they get stuck in actually doing, focusing on the wrong thing, repairing a car engine. They don't focus on building the business. And so women need to realize, and really everyone needs to realize, I can move into a space where there's a need and not have to know the product or service. That's what the franchisor is there for, to give me those skill sets to help with hiring, et cetera. Don't get scared away from a space that you may not know how to do the end product or service, such as automotive. Right. Oh yeah, and I, I think you know. And I think we're it's and, and we've touched on this with even in the financial service industry, where again male dominated, but I think women are gaining more traction. And I think again, it's it's what we talked about earlier, the skill set. I think in many ways, women have better skill sets than men. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt. I, I think people forget it, it wasn't until 1974 when legislation called the Equal Opportunity Credit Act passed, 
that a woman could even get credit in her own name. Wow. I mean, that blows my mind. When, when we think of the way that we operate today, can you imagine being a single mother or divorced or widowed back in the early 70s and you couldn't even go get a credit card, go get a mortgage because you couldn't sign as Mrs. So-and-so or the daughter of so-and-so? That, that was 1974. That's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. And it's, it's inconceivable in today's world. But it also speaks to things like financial literacy, financial competency. I mean, we live in a world of DIYers, do-it-yourselfers. I think Britt made a brilliant point. Knowing how to run a business doesn't mean you have to know, you know, knowing how, what time it is means you can read the watch, not necessarily how the watch works. It behooves us to really understand our industries. I'm not suggesting that, but there's a new frontier out there. And there's an opportunity with the rate of change for anybody to be successful. And we just have to embrace that. That's that's exactly right. You know, it was interesting. I was um, telling my wife about this this woman who started this mechanic school, and her shop was it, it does cater to women, and they actually have a nail salon on it, so women who are getting their car work done can go get their nails done. And she was like, "What a neat idea!" I said, "Well, you brilliant." Could do <laughs> yeah, and I, I told her, I said, "You could do something like this." She goes, "Well, I don't know anything about cars." I said, "You don't. You need to just know how to run a business." And that's really interesting. Isn't that pretty cool? Mm -hmm. So what are you seeing locally as far as, you know, I think traditionally we think of women opening businesses, maybe it's retail, maybe it's hair salons, those type of things. But what what are you seeing in our local market of some of these non-traditional, what we would say, non-traditional women-owned businesses that are coming, uh, that are opening up here in Johnstown? Well, one of the first things that comes to mind when we were talking about this for me is the Connemaw Health System just recently announced their new CMO, Chief Medical Officer, is Dr. Elizabeth Dunmore. Mm -hmm. She's wonderful. I had a chance to work with her. She replaced another woman, Dr. Susan Williams. So, you know, here's two women that have led this health system. That certainly I don't think would have happened in the 70s or, you know, maybe even in the 80s or the 90s. So, and, and they both have done an excellent job. So I, I think we're seeing more women. I go back to, you know, what I talked about in the first podcast that I'm in a building with eight businesses. All of them are owned or run by women and some non-traditional. I'm looking at the list in front of me of our different uh, chamber members. I know uh, there's some contractors that have, you know, certain women at the leadership, James mm -hmm. excavating, that kind of thing, a family business. It's, it's a wide variety. And, and I think you're right. Women don't have to, you know, thankfully kind of pigeonhole themselves into any certain type of career anymore. Exactly. And, you know, and it's, you mentioned about contracting and it brought to mind, I, you know, I have a lot of a number, well, not a lot, but a number of clients who are in construction, excavating, those type of things. And you are seeing more and more where the women are taking the ownership of it. A lot of it's because there's benefits to be able to get contracts from it. So they're taking advantage of opportunities that are out there. And I think that's, that's pretty um, innovative to be able to look at the environment and say, hey, you know, here's an opportunity that I can take advantage of because of whether it's bids are put out there or whether there's regulations that say we have to give priority to women or minorities, those type of things, taking advantage of an opportunity that's out there. 
Yeah, defense contracting is not another area. And obviously, we have a large number of defense contractors in the Johnstown region. And that's an area where women-owned businesses are given priority because there aren't a lot, but they certainly want to encourage and work with women who lead those businesses. Brett, what, what in businesses and industries are you seeing women being drawn to, uh, especially, you know, as they're coming to you looking at maybe, you know, different business and franchise opportunities? I am having more and more women look at the home service industry and the construction type industries. So it may be kitchen and bath repair, heating and air conditioning. And from a consumer perspective, when I have a female owner, let's say my husband owned a vent cleaning business and some of their top franchise owners were female and they were owner operator. They actually cleaned the vents themselves. And when you have uh, expect someone to come clean your vent, they come to your home or your place of business and a woman walks in, there's this sense of comfort. It's easier to let your guard down. Women are taking full advantage of moving into the home service industry. I'm seeing that quite a bit now. I guess, Amy, I'll kind of start this with you and then whoever wants to jump in. What resources do you see are available to help assist women in starting their own business? So we could look at both the financial end and maybe even from a mentorship end. So from a mentorship area, certainly we have just a wealth of people who are super excited to help entrepreneurs get started. And it's interesting because I, I did reach out to my friends at Jari and they do a lot of work with entrepreneurs. And while there are some industries specific, like I mentioned, defense contracting areas where women can get some extra financial help, in general, there's just a lot of help out there for entrepreneurs. Jari's Growth Fund was just awarded $1.2 million this week by the Appalachian Regional Commission, and that's all to help entrepreneurs and just create this entrepreneur ecosystem. So women, men, couples, you know, anyone willing to take that chance, I feel feel like there are just an enormous amount of resources, both financially and then again, just from support and people willing to share best practices. Yeah. And Brett, you probably see things more of a national level. I don't know. Uh, do you have any uh, input on that? The International Franchise Association, the IFA, has an organization that's specifically for women that has a wealth of resources that you can access online everything from business planning through marketing and execution. I'm very interested, though, in going back to best point about the SBA. Um, in the Small Business Administration, there is still a divergence in the average amount of loans given to a female versus a male. The average loan from the SBA right now for a male is in the 700,000s. For a female, it's 500,000. So we still have, you know, we still have opportunity here to see the SBA pushing through programs, creating MBEs, minority business-owned, female business-owned opportunities to continue to bring up women to full equal opportunities. So, and I'm, I'll be looking for the SBA to continue to focus on that. Oh, that's, that's, that's great. So Beth, you know, are you seeing... I know women like you in in the financial service are you know beginning to serve as mentors for women to to come into the business. Anything you want to add to that, or any particular financial skills you think they should have in coming into whether it's our business or any other kind of business? 
Well, I think anytime someone steps off of a predictable path, let's talk about the corporate refugees referenced earlier, it's a whole new world. And so there is a distinct mindset that I think they need to adopt. Number one, you've got to have access to capital Mm. and an understanding of where you're going to have money to meet your startup costs. So whether that's uh, a loan through the SBA, whether that's a GoFundMe, whether that's a home equity line of credit, whether that you just need to know where am I going to go to keep enough gas in the car to get me down the road. I think having a ruthless approach to keeping expenses low. I think the clients that I've worked with that have gotten off the corporate track and into their own business are initially overwhelmed with the fact that, you know, the stapler and the staples isn't supplied for them. They got to go down and get it. (laughs) And so sometimes things like that really catch them off guard and unaware, really paying attention to keeping your expenses as low as possible while generating revenue is key. And then the third thing I tell people, and this has never failed me, is if you can solve a problem for people that have more money than time, Mm. you're going to be successful. You just got to wrap your mind around it. And how are you going to deliver on that? And once you're laser focused on that, whether, and you know, the franchise model is a great bridge because somebody's already got a proven system that you can tap into, but just being focused on solving problems for people that are willing to pay for you to do that Mm. is probably the number one thing people should be focused on. Yeah, exactly. I think you know. I think we see this in our industry, Beth, and, and it's probably in a lot of under, other industries. Is sometimes we want to throw money at a problem instead of trying to solve it, and we throw money in the wrong places. And I think, Amen. My uh, my coach always says, you know, you you need to be spending five to ten percent of your revenue on just personal development, and I think part of that is mentorship, and. I want to kind of put this question out to all three of you and you can kind of go as, as you see fit is where do you think that you or your organization can help to provide mentorship to women who might, you know, have an, you know, an inclination to start a business, but maybe it's fear, maybe it's not thinking that they have a skill set to help to encourage them to take this path and then to help mentor them along the way. One of the nice parts, as Beth said about franchising, is that there's a proven set of owners that you get to turn to. There's a proven track record. There is a proven system. And when I work with female entrepreneurs, the most important stage for anyone's due diligence is talking with existing franchise owners. So I make sure that at least half of the owners that I have my candidates talking with that are female will be speaking with female franchise owners or that half of the people that they speak with are are female. That goes a long way for helping with some of the insecurity, like, can I do this with my background? And then in terms of once you're up and running with a franchise, creating your own peer group, creating who is living the same life as you are right now and building those relationships with them within the franchising structure and that's what we find in any good franchise system is is very diverse ownership groups where you can build those relationships that can be as important as as the support from the franchisor as your business grows. Matt for the for the kids that have gone through our 
college funding program and are now graduating from college, we have a program where their first year of working, we are educating them on what to do with their paycheck, how to manage their financial life. Because I can't tell you how many new members of the workforce, I'll spend 60 minutes just showing them what their payroll stub is telling them. Because yeah. they don't understand it. They <laughs> oh, don't know I who know. FICA is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't understand taxes or when you ask them, did you sign up for the 401k? Yes. How did you make your investment selection? Well, this is what the guy told me to do. The level of, or let's put it this way, the lack of financial literacy out there is frightening. And so we've taken it as our job in our network of clients and their kids. And, and we'd be willing to do this, you know, for almost anybody that knocks on our door. Mm-hmm. How do we get you started so that you are a productive contributing member of society and on a path toward financial independence. We take that for granted, but every study that's done every year says we do a lousy job of that for our kids. And so we're just perpetuating bad information and creating our own problems. So we're kind of committed to educating young accumulators so they know what to do, when to do it and how to do it. Oh, very much so. And I think I, I I run into the same thing even in my practice. And I especially see it working with these business owners in these, you know, independent family-owned businesses, and especially in the automotive industry, because again, there is this kind of bias if there's a daughter in that maybe, and actually a lot of times she doesn't think that she's really fits into the business, but a big part of my model is to help to bring the family together and create this family vision. And what we're finding is as we start opening up these conversations, the daughters are saying, hey, I can see where I can fit into this. And now they're starting to get involved in that. So at least on my end, I'm trying to facilitate those conversations. That's awesome. And Amy, I know you've got, you guys have a ton of resources over at the chamber. Where do you maybe see a chamber being able to help provide this mentorship? Yeah, we're really connectors. So we work closely with the Johnstown Redevelopment Authority and the County Redevelopment Authority and Jari and others to to make sure people are aware of the resources. And then I think the other big area is just networking. And certainly it's been a little harder in 2020 with, you know, the pandemic, but the ability to get people connected so they can share best practices. What worked when you opened your business? What didn't work? What advice do you have for me? And it always amazes me how willing people are to share, even with you know people who are their competitors in the same industry, but willing to help each other out. We have a great group called Emerging Professionals in Cambria, who's for that really that middle management or younger folks who are kind of just starting to really heat up in their career. And that's a, a, another great networking group that you know shares a lot of best practices. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. And I think the more that we can kind of reach out, and I'm, I'm kind of wired this way. It's so funny. I have um, young people that you know will start talking to me about 
things that they, you know, business that they want to start. And I just, it's my, and my wife, and, and my wife just goes, why do you get involved in these things? And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, I want to be able to help. So I think the more that we can kind of just reach out and in whatever way that we can, whether it's, you know, helping them to understand their own personal finances, to understand how to read their paycheck, to give them encouragement, to maybe start looking into getting into their own business or family business. I think anything that we can do, it's, we kind of have an obligation to do that with society. So I know we're getting close on time. Eric, anything you want to add? Again, I'm, I'm so blessed to be part of this conversation. Ladies, just, just a small snippet about me and a follow-up question. I have a daughter who's 21 years old. And as a father, I've been concerned, right, about her, her ability, not her abilities, but the fairness. You know, when she wants to enter the workforce, what's that going to look like? If she wants to start her own business, what, what is that going to look like? But she is all about taking the opportunities that are given her. And as she's actually hopefully going to be a homeowner within the next six to eight months. Let me ask you this. When you were getting into business, when you were starting your careers, how much of it was opportunities that you found or opportunities versus opportunities you created? So I was a journalism major and a volleyball player at the University of Kansas. And when I was riding home in the van from the big eight championship, this is how old I am, it was the big eight back then, it dawned on me that I didn't know what I was going to do come May. Mm. So I went to the career center to start interviews. And my first set of interviews were an epic fail. I had no idea what I was doing. I was unprepared. It was terrible. But they had a lot of resources that I plugged into. And to make a very long story short, I ended up getting a job offer from Procter & Gamble to work in their consumer products division and move to the Ozarks and sell toilet paper and diapers. (laughs) All to say that I believe opportunity is everywhere and we are required to tap into it. It is there if we seek it out. I think that in my case, the opportunities kind of found me, but because of what I was doing in my career at the time. So for instance, when I left being a news anchor, I was approached by a friend at the Conwell Health System that said, boy, you do a great job communicating. And have you ever thought about getting into PR? And I was like, gosh, no. <laughs> so I, I've been blessed that way, you know, kind of same when I left healthcare and entered into the chamber, hadn't really thought about it, but was able to open doors just by, you know, the work that I had done. And and I'm so thankful for that because I've, I've loved every jump I've made. I've loved. Hey, uh, I'm much like Amy. I would say that the opportunity came to me. I was on the corporate track and I was looking to make a change. I went to someone that I had worked with previously and they said, Britt, I have a job for you but you have the personality. You need to take this time to step away into entrepreneurship. So having good role models, having good mentors is very, very key. People that believe in you that even for, I was in my early twenties at the time that said, you know, maybe corporate's not for you. Maybe it's time for you to step away. So it was sort of a combination of, of it finding me and then me stepping out to search for it, as Beth said. But I I think both Amy and Britt 
were open-minded. So, you know, when opportunity knocks, invite them in for a cup of coffee, have the conversation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I tell my kids all the time, I say, God can't steer a parked car. Right? I love it. <laughs> so, but I just really appreciate you guys being on here. I thought this was, you just guys, again, just knocked it out of the park. And I'm, I'm confident that the audience is really going to get a lot of value out of this and hopefully a lot of encouragement to look for opportunities out there and maybe venture off into what could be sometimes the scary and unknown world. But I think we've all found is, is very much worth it. So Eric, any final thoughts? Well, just want to bring it back to what you said, Matt. I, I think you put it beautifully that those of us that have gone before, especially women, there is a need, a obligation. I don't, we don't want to call it an obligation, but it's actually an honor to give back, to become that mentor for that next person. And you said that when you said, you know, we, we have this responsibility. I think that's the word you use. We have a responsibility to, to pass this to the next generation. And I think that the millennials and younger are very discouraged right now because of everything going on in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that we can really show them that it's not all bad, that there are opportunities out there to not only take advantage of, but to work hard for and towards. So again, ladies, I, from the bottom of my heart, as a father of a, of a 21 year old daughter, who's just, just starting out, I appreciate your time today. And I do too. And I don't have any daughters, so, but <laughs> I appreciate your time so much. Well, thank you. It was great thank to be you. here. Again, I want to thank each and every one of you for being guests on here. And to the audience, again, if you have any interest in reaching out to any of these ladies, uh, feel free to contact me. You can go to my website, dfranbfo.com, and just contact us, and I can put you in touch with each one of them. So again, ladies, thank you very much for uh, being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank Our you. Our pleasure, Matt. Thanks, Art. And of course, the last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you for listening and tuning in to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe button below. This way, when Matt comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And please think right now, just for a moment, think of a young lady that needs to hear this podcast and hear the experience and the, the successes of these women. Um, I think it'll be impactful and powerful. I know that I'll be sharing this uh, very soon. For everyone at DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Your Business, Your Life podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment, legal, or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or another qualified professional with any questions you may have regarding your business or personal planning. DeFrancesco Financial Concierge, LLC, doing business as DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office, is a registered investment advisor. Registration with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training.